This is your Anime DGEN's Weekly Rundown 32. Let's get it. Welcome back, everybody. Glad to have you. Boys, how we doing? We living good? Hell yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Good to have Tyler back. Yes, sir. Our man's back in the house this week. It is also opening football season. I know we're excited about that, too, even though we're nerds and weebs up in here. Heck yeah, man. Always got to have me some football in the mix. (laughs) It's that time of year. It's fall. But man, I uh, was actually really excited about this week's uh, rundown, the anime in this week's rundown. I mean, we had like Luffy going absolutely crazy. Uh, Kenshin pulling up on people and being a menace. Man's got the look of a killer in his eye right now. <laughs> and J- JJK was pretty, uh, pretty interesting as well. So do you guys that, have any thoughts? That episode was a homage to my heart, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yes. pretty sure Dan was in heaven the whole time he was watching it. <laughs> I think I went back and watched the first half of that episode like three times. Holy shit. <laughs> and uh, two shows are back on my watch list that I've already seen. They will be uh, coming up right after Kintama's done. <laughs> uh, bet y'all can't guess what that is. Probably uh, some type of mecha. So. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Me Sounds about right. right. Yes, sir. So on this week's uh, show, we have Bleach Thousand Year Blood War episode 22. Uh, Psalm 100 is on a break this week. So we're doing Roni Kenshin episode 10, Jujutsu Kaisen episode 7, and One Piece episode 1075. Tyler, get us kicked off, my man. So we're going to get into Bleach episode 22, Marching Out the Zombies. Chad, Orihime, and Ichigo are distraught after seeing Ishida turn his back on them. So they figure it's time to head up to the Royal Palace for some group therapy. Meanwhile, Giselle is back and has a few creepy tricks up her sleeve. And we return to Thousand Year Blood War with the heartbreaking scene of Ishida turning his back on his friends to help Yuhabaha. And I know we were talking about this before, but did anybody, did any of our listeners catch what... uh, uh, Ashida or Yuhabaha was saying as he was going up to portal. We just want to ask because we we didn't happen to catch it. So <laughs> no, was, I did not. I was not that attentive. I guess no. I mean, I I might have to go back and watch with headphones on because like I couldn't hear. It. I tried to listen. Tyler said that he thought he heard something, so I tried to listen, but like it was on the TV, so I don't know. Yeah, I thought I heard something like "You're no good, you're no good," and then the word "treacherous." I don't know who was saying it really. It could have been like Yubaha, it could have been Jugram, it could have been Ishida. We don't know. It was English. Um, so it kinda it kinda confused me for a minute, honestly. And uh and I was just kinda wondering how that was gonna play into it, why they did that in a Japanese subbed. Interesting. Um, yeah, I'll have episode. to go back and check that out. But but yeah, then we get into Shunzwei wondering why the royal palace isn't actually shooting them down as they're going up. Um, ask if this is Monaco and Ichibei's plan. And 
uh, you know, they, I don't think they have an answer for that, do they? No, not right now. But I mean, Monaco being the leader of uh, squad, squad one, zero, um, zero, excuse me, squad zero. Um, he's, uh, Sean Sui's thinking he has something to do with this because it's, it's just a little sliding up a little too well for you, Habaha and the gang there. So he, he's, he's getting suspicious like we've been for some weeks at this point. Yeah. And, you know, why wouldn't we be suspicious at this point? Because everything that they've done, it's just worked in Yubaha's favor. So, um, but I guess now we're going to get to see Squad Zero in action soon. We've been wondering uh, why they've just been setting up there. Uh, well, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> it's going to happen. So. Yes, sir. I just can't imagine being up there all happy at the Royal Palace, just looking down at what's becoming the Sayra's head and be like, let's invite those guys into our house. You know, like that sounds like a great plan. Somebody go make some mar- margs. I got some uh, some limes right here. We'll welcome them, welcome them right in. Yeah. That's what it seems like. I just, uh, if you're going to let them up, like, I don't know why you bring Ichigo down. Just, uh, I don't know. They, I guess we'll see. Yeah, poor Ichigo, dude. He had to skydive for what was what three days. <laughs> was it three days, really? <laughs> it was like two and a half days, whatever he said. And now he's got to get in a big ass cannon and do the polar opposite, go on a little rocket ship ride. Sans the rocket ship. Yeah, seems like he's on a bit of a wild goose chase at this point. Yeah. Um. Speaking of like the rocket ship going up, um, Yuhara, you know, has it set up. And we actually get to see our girl come back, my girl come back, Yurichi. She shows up, you know, with, uh, what is it, energy? Energy in tow. Um, she's been collecting energy to power this rocket, I believe, if I've seen it correctly. Yeah, so basically, uh, Yorichi was collecting the distortion energy from the portals that the Quincy's had been using to go back and forth between the Soul Society and, I guess, Earth, the real world, you know? So um, they're saying, you know, to be create that kind of portal, it's going to be some pretty powerful energy, and they're basically just going to use, use it as gunpowder for this giant-ass cannon. Yeah, I also thought it was pretty interesting that they were only going to get one shot to do this. Um, it's a, it's a one use cannon. That seems very expensive to you for something that you would only use a one time, but I mean, Hey, we did it with rocket ships for a long time, right? (laughs) I suppose that, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I just don't know why they didn't go hit up our girl Kukaku and use her big cannon, you know? Well, they, they explained it, didn't they? They, uh, said that, um, uh, somebody wasn't available, um, to, (laughs) Kukaku's just in Maui on vacation right now. Or not Maui, I guess. That's a, yeah. That's I'm not, not right sure. <laughs> um, but they, they did uh, mention uh, why they couldn't go use that. Uh, Uhara did. Um, I didn't really catch the full uh, explanation, though. So, you know me. <laughs> Don't pay attention that much. Uh, but yeah. Uh, she comes back. I'm so happy for that. Uh because that, that's my girl. Um, but apparently the Stern Ritters are still looking for Ichigo as well. And they're trying to find him. And uh, all the like squads are like 
kind of protecting him as he's trying to get back up to the palace. So that's pretty neat to see. Yeah, I'm hoping that gives us some fun fights. I would love to see Byakuya go at it with like five stern riders. Now that he's got his Bankai back, it'd be electric. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just, some, just something about Senbo and Zakura. I just, it's, it's perfect. <laughs> I think he could. I think he could go up against five of them, so. Yeah, he might, he might, he might take some hits going against five, but I think he's got them. That dude is broken with those rose petals or cherry blossoms. Yeah. And then we get uh, Renji. We see Renji and Baz B going at it and call Renji was calling Baz B just making fun of him like crazy, calling him a chicken head because of his mohawk. Baz B was uh, getting pretty upset about it. I thought that was a pretty uh, funny part of the show. <laughs> yeah, and I thought it was very ironic coming from Renji calling somebody else a chicken head uh, with his haircut. I just loved it when he was like, somebody with eyebrows as incredible as yours, I thought would have some taste. And I was like, oh, God. Renji, <laughs> yeah. don't need to hear nothing about them eyebrows. Those things are <laughs> an eyesore. Yeah, Renji actually blushed from that. And I was like, you should have just been talking nice to this man. He was trying to like link up with you so he could go out there as Sheeta. Um, he wasn't even trying to approach you to fight. I don't, I don't believe. And you just had to keep calling him chicken head. <laughs> and like, like you said, it's hell. Renji's hair looks kind of more like a chicken. It, you know, resembles more, more of a chicken head than Baz B's does. Honestly. Yeah. Renji was definitely projecting. But yeah, he well, got pretty upset about it. Yeah. One thing I liked about that little altercation too, is that, Basby was like, oh, we, fu we, we fucking hate Ishida. Like, let's go kill him together. I don't give a shit. And I think it's funny because, like, after all that, like, Rukia and Renji have been through with Ishida, you know, and Hueco Mundo and everything else, like, I don't think they want to go kill him. You know, I think they're probably just as confused as Ichigo and the gang is, so. Yeah, I definitely don't think they, they, they would want to murder our boy uh, Ishida, but, you know, if somebody's trying to work with you, you should, you're in the middle of a war, I feel like you could use, you know, find a way to use that in some way. Yeah, but like, how how are you gonna like trust Basby? Like, you don't. You, you, don't. you <laughs> use it, <laughs> then you stab him in the back later. But that's some villain shit. <laughs> stab him before he stabs you, bro. That's gonna that's gonna be like an awful tense uh, tense uh, partnership right there. So, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> it's just funny to think about. Definitely. But I think the highlight of this episode was definitely Giselle. She is a scary fucking lady, boys. Yes. And her acting like she's unarmed to Ikaku and Yumi Chika uh, talking about, you know, you wouldn't cut an arm, unarmed girl. You wouldn't cut me down. Really just trying to goad them into like splashing her blood on them so she can make them zombies was pretty funny. And I thought something was pretty odd, too. Yumi Chika was like, you know what, you're not even a girl, are you? And I never thought that. That had never come across my mind. What did you guys think about that? Think that's it's true? I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> All I know that she was not happy. That look on her face was something fucking fierce, man. Yes, yes. Um, 
but yeah, looking back, I was like, you know what? All the girls in the show have um, some pretty, pretty big tatas, and, and she doesn't have any. So it's making me think a little bit. So we'll, we'll have, I'll, I wonder if they'll go into that a little bit. And another thing, though, is that uh, um, the Soul Reapers, they was pretty on point with uh, everything that they was calling out. Um, so it makes me want to believe them about that because for some reason they're able to see what's going on and see through shit right now for whatever reason. Because they was calling out several different facts that was true that we knew to be true. And I don't know where they was getting that information from is what I'm getting at. Yeah, understood. But Giselle, um, while she, well, w- when the gig is up, she actually summons uh, Bambi. And she's turned Bambi into a zombie, which was very creepy. I was not expecting that. I remember the last time we saw Bambi, she um, was kind of begging for her life in a way, but I didn't think they would use her as a zombie. But it makes sense. She's pretty powerful. Do you think that they turn all the like dead people into zombies? Because we've seen like a roundabout of all the fallen uh, Quincy's like we've seen them, you know. So, do you think she's went around to all of them, or, or no? No, I think it was just Bambi. Um, if you remember, there was a scene where they went to one of the uh, defeated Stern Riders and actually killed him, and it basically showed his life force going back to Yuhabaha. So, I think it's just Bambi. I mean, she's got some explosive power, and Giselle, she's a conniving little scary, scary person. So. <laughs> I think it's I think it's I think it's just Bambi. Yeah, I think definitely think this is just a special case. Uh Giselle was like, you know what? She's gonna get killed either way. I might as well use this to my advantage. Give me a little little Quincy shield right here. Mm-hmm. With a lot of firepower. I mean, if I had to pick one of the people we've seen so far that was defeated to be my human shield, I would probably choose Bambi. Yes, a lot of AoE attacks, um, great explosive power, like you said, Dan. She picked a good one. But yeah, yeah, after that, we kind of get into Uehara. Oh, Mr. Hattenclog's there. He uh, tells Ichigo and the gang about, you know, the cannon that they, they built. And the reason it got built is because Kurosuchi saw this coming. Uh, them needing to go up after uh, Squad Zero came down. And that was pretty perceptive by him. Uh, he, he smelled some fuck shit going on from a mile away and was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and get something started. Uh, but the cannon will break down after one shot, like we said, and they had to find enough energy to, to at least fire it once so that it doesn't break when they're actually using it. Definitely. It doesn't and seem very well built. I did love in this scene, though, where he was, uh, Yurihara was basically like, yeah, he's a genius. Not as smart as me, though. <laughs> I just love how cocky he is. <laughs> yeah, I was going to bring that up, too. That was, that was one of my uh, favorite scenes. Like only second to me, of course. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> good old Uehara, gotta love him. Oh yeah, always yes. talking a little shit. Got to. <laughs> you can't when you're that guy. Um, but we saw Yuroichi again, and you know she returned uh, bearing gifts and had collected some of the distortions that the Quincy's were using to, I guess, get in back and forth between the plane that they were living in and uh, the Sarate. They're going to end up using that for fuel, which is pretty smart. Mm-hmm. 
Definitely. And thankfully, good for Studio Perot, they did cut out one of the uh, cringier scenes from the manga. <laughs> so if you guys don't know what we're talking about, just Google Yorichi and Orihime and you can read the panels yourself. I don't think we're going to get too into them. They're a little, uh, little cringy. Yeah, we're not going to do all that tonight. <laughs> we just gas Urahara up a lot here, but he's he's still just an old perverted man, dude. Nothing new. <laughs> <laughs> Some things and, never change. Speaking of uh, Kurosuchi, we actually get to he he comes back and we actually get to see him and uh, he confronts Bambi and Giselle and. He just shows up and she's like, boy, you're awfully bright tonight. <laughs> <laughs> he shows up looking like a golden god, dude. Like, you meet Chica and freaking uh, Ikaku are just lying down on the ground after taking a bunch of these explosions. And they're like, we can't see who it is, but we can hear it. And we know exactly who that is. <laughs> yeah and i think it was ikaku who said you know even if i couldn't hear him that's you know he's the only person that would ever dress like that oh that was yubi chica our, okay, our, fashion, chica, yeah. our fashionista soul reaper yeah and i think I th one of the one of the funnier things that was said this episode was i think kurosuchi also made a remark he was like he turned down his brightness. He was like, yeah, I had to turn it down. I had to turn down my brightness so normal people like you can uh, see me or something like that. He had to tone it down is what he <laughs> said. I was crying. <laughs> oh. But yeah, so after that, Giselle uses zombie Bambi to attack Kuritsuchi. And homie pulls out these Pokeball-looking Reishi locking devices. And sets them for three seconds. So he's able to basically collect the reishi of her. I don't want to say explosions because they make stuff explode. But he catches them all. And sends them back at her. And perfectly timed. Blows up right in their face. They did not see that coming at all. Like I just I love how like th crafty he is when it comes to fighting. He's always been fun to watch. Yes, yeah. and he's, he's making a lot of uh, other people do his fighting. We had the uh, Iran cars come back uh, to kind of clean up shop against uh, Giselle's zombie army she's been collecting, which I thought she should have been doing from the get-go. I'm glad to see she's using her powers to the fullest uh, in the show. And uh, yeah, seeing the, how did you guys feel about seeing the Iran cars again? That was a little unexpected. I mean, it, you know, with Kurosuchi, like anything's possible, and you know, uh, if she's gonna pull out zombies, you, you gotta you gotta think that he's gonna have somebody something to do his dirty work, and you know, Iran cars are that. I, I don't think it mattered to him. It could have been uh, dead soul reapers for all he cared. <laughs> well, no, he has a little class. You know, he said, "I, I can't Does take he? I can't take down these soul reapers." You know, it just that doesn't feel right to me. So I brought a four Iran cars that I'm brought back to life somehow and have uh, a pretty extensive dog collars on right now. I have a feeling that he was being a smart ass while saying that. Oh, 100%. Yeah, he didn't give a fuck. Oh, 100%. <laughs> he just wanted to bring up the Iran cars. But I did love how they brought back the, the one who reminds me of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, the very uh, buff, flamboyant looking one who called Fubi Chica ugly. <laughs> 
Fugly, sir. Fugly. Sorry. Fugly. Fugly, my bad. You went the extra mile on him. I think that's the first time I've ever heard the word fugly used in anime. So, I'm going to agree with that. Yeah. That's, I think that's so. New, that's new for me. I don't even think that happened in the manga, if I'm being honest with you. So I ain't complaining. No, I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> but yeah, we get a little zombie showdown with the Iran cars and the dead soul reapers. And Giselle pulls out her trump card. Were you guys ready for that? Uh, what was it again? I forget. The very end of the episode where Toshi- zombie Toshiro shows oh, up. Oh, shit. Okay. Yes, okay. Yeah. I was like, Trump car, what do you mean? But I, you know, I forgot about Toshiro showing up. Yeah, everybody was pretty distraught when they saw him. Uh, that, that He's going to be a fucking problem. But that was kind of sad to see at the same time. Oh, definitely. But his fit was so fucking clean. Mm-hmm. You're not lying. Dude, he looked so fresh in that Quincy garb, dude. And you know what? I'm thinking we might get our girl Ron Giku too. Ooh. Zombie Ron Giku might be top tier. I think uh <laughs> I think Kurosuchi uh, actually made a comment too. He I think he said something like that may be trouble or something like that when he looked at Toshiro, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean Toshiro is a prodigy. He's like the youngest squad captain to ever exist. You got his bonk guy when he was like 10. Like, they're fucked. <laughs> well, it's Kurosuchi, though. So I'm sure there's he's got a way, bro. <laughs> and then I guess one last thing I want to talk about, because it made me really happy to see, because I didn't remember from when I read the manga way back when. It was good to see our dear friend, Mr. Wolf, up and walking around. Yeah. That was yeah. nice, nice to see. Yes. I'm glad to see he's still kicking. But I don't know where Sajin's going, dude. He's like, I mean, you just watch, you just watch Yuhabaha like flying to the sky. So where are you going now, buddy? You're not getting in that cannon. <laughs> yeah, I was really up, confused by that. Yeah. But we'll have to see. Yeah, it was an awesome episode. I thought it was not a lot of action, really, but a lot of good development. So it's really setting up the next few episodes. I'm excited for that. Agree, agreed. Any episode that Yurichi is in is a good episode for me. So, <laughs> my man's fine with the quick cameo. It's a shame you didn't get to see her uh, fondle some, uh, some things. Oh, oh. <laughs> I was gonna say, that's coming, Dan. That's coming. <laughs> no, I man, hope just... they don't skip that, bro. Oh, they can't. They won't skip that one. That one's not creepy. I will stop watching Bleach if they skip it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna write that one down for later. Yeah, we, we gotta we gotta put that one in the back of our back of the mind right there. Uh, do you guys want to get on to Kenshin? Yeah, for sure. Let's do it. So next we have Roni Kenshin episode ten: A Reason to Act. To everyone's surprise, the Kanru gang have waited well over their three days of planning to attack the Kamiya Dojo. Instead, they come up with a plan to learn Mag- lure Megumi back into their arms. But Kenshin and the Kenshin team have. They have some other plans. So the episode starts off with Bakubi making Ohagi for the group. And basically they're like, wow, this is really good. This is awesome. This tastes great. <laughs> and Bakubi's just in there like, what? I mean, anybody can make Ohagi. And Kenshin just comes in with some straight disrespect Oral? to the woman who puts a house over his head, a roof over his head. 
<laughs> and he's just straight up like, nah, Kairu can't cook. Hers tasted like mud. <laughs> and proceeds to get punched in the head. <laughs> pieced up. Absolutely pieced up. And I like the, a little funny detail here was like, uh, Kairu's hand was like steaming after she got done beating him up. Very good stuff. <laughs> god damn dude you can't do that to the woman who puts a roof over your head that is savage yeah you you, you no that that was just not wise on his part well to be fair though uh she basically forces him to stay with her so that's true <laughs> yeah megumi comes back and she's like oh you know you just you're probably really nitpicky like you're probably just thinking too hard when you try and make this blah 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 i can show you how to do it and she's getting all close to Kenshin and everything else and we're just getting a lot of sass out of our girl Kaoru this episode to start. Yes, I'm, I'm surprised she didn't kick uh, Megami out onto the street uh, off rip right there. You know, she's failing on her promise here. I mean, I would. Kenshin's a baddie. <laughs> God bless. Yes, yeah, so after that, Sana comes back and he had the opium tested by i'm assuming the doctor they said the old man and uh it turns out that it is in fact what is you know on the streets right now causing havoc in tokyo and basically sano just looks at megumi straight in the eyes and says i want nothing to do with you i'm not going to protect you like i ain't doing shit and that's when basically you know kenshin is like come on man stop being a dick and Sano just walks through, like, I'm going to bed. Wake me up when the noon gun goes off. So I guess they have a gun at noon? That's yeah, kind of interesting. Yeah, I caught that too. I uh, I was like, okay, they had, instead of, like, uh, clocks with bells or something, you know? Yeah, you, you just got to ring a bell. You don't got to shoot off the blicky into the sky. <laughs> <laughs> what you if know, somebody... You know what? At... Living in the South, I, I, might ha- I might put a petition into my town. Somebody just pop off an AR-15 12 times instead of the bell tower we got. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, you can't do that up north. <laughs> I mean, what if somebody, like, shoots a gun, uh, you know, uh, in the kitchen, and it's not 12? Do you, like, think, oh, it's 12? <laughs> the questions I want answered. I mean, <laughs> if, if you want to commit murder, you know, in I guess in this old old time in Japan, all you gotta do is wait for like eleven fifty eight. But you don't know that, right? Nobody will do bat have an eye. <laughs> you Nobody just hear a whole clatter eye. of guns go off. <laughs> <laughs> Fifty seven people have just been murdered. <laughs> oh, it's just it's just just a noontime it's shot. Noon. It's not good. Yeah. <laughs> this is wild. Yes. That's a, uh, that's an interesting fact though. We we should look into that. <laughs> we should i'm I'm curious now i mean i i know how to commit murder in you know the major era of japan i guess <laughs> okay okay <laughs> so were you guys a little surprised that the um oniwaban group didn't make a move when they said they were gonna and they kind of just waited it out yeah i was i was a little surprised by that uh to be honest uh i, I don't specifically remember at the time i couldn't remember why they did that but i, I thought they were just gonna run up and kind of deal with the situation head on but they came up with a pretty crafty plan instead. So I was I was impressed that they uh, used some finesse in this situation. Well, did, yeah. did they do it different um, back in the original? Um, I'm pretty I sure they remember. did this. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure they did the same thing, but I, I couldn't exactly remember. 
yeah yeah no they're following the the manga and the original show to the teeth they're just doing it a lot faster which is great for us yes yes i agree <laughs> yeah, yeah so, so, so instead they had a uh quote-unquote bookkeeper come by and uh talk to megami and uh pretty much reveals uh himself to be a shinobi and kind of talks megami into meeting with takada and when she sh- shows up to meet with him uh takada says you know she'll burn down well he'll burn down the kamiya dojo and bring 500 men to do so and shoot arrows into it and she also he also says that you know you really can't go back to your family i don't know that she has any family left but she was like you know imagine your clan knowing you made opium instead of healing people and he goes on to say you me and the opium all have one fate which i thought was a little creepy man yeah. yeah definitely man i mean he does have a point though like she's got nowhere to go like yes. if it gets out that she did that to her family of doctors of learned doctors some of the best some of the best she ain't gonna be allowed back there's like you created the worst drug to ever hit japan man like what are you doing you are an outcast instantly but yeah takata you know he schemes this whole thing up thinking that you know kenshin won't have a reason to come back and fight for Megami if she leaves on her own, which is fucking hilarious. What a miscalculation that is. <laughs> so Megami ends up leaving that note at the do- the dojo and uh, the gang gets to read it. Yeah, and basically she comes out in the note. She's like, I'm leaving on my own accord. I'm going to my homeland. Uh, bye. Thank you so much. I don't deserve this. You guys were great. See ya. And Kenshin's just in there like, I fucked up. <laughs> Kenshin said it's all cap. It's all cap. I fucked up. I should have paid more attention to her. And now we got to go blow up a mansion. Let's, let's run it. Bring your hands. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Sano at first isn't wanting to come, uh, which I completely understand. He kind of tells uh, the, the gang about his candy maker friend and, you know, about, you know, why should I go help her? I, I got no dog in this fight anymore. And Kitchen said, were you not paying attention to her eyes, man? Like, she was looking for help, obviously, and she, she needs some friends to go save her. Like, she was forced to do this. And Kitchen says, you know, I'm still going to pull up. So, and Yahiko's like, yeah, I'm going to be right behind you. And, you know, this is the Kamiya way. This is the life-giving sword. And we about to give some life. Whole lot of it. Whole lot of... <laughs> people getting blown up is more like it dude when dude when they like stormed this building and all you saw were grown-ass man being thrown like 15 feet in the air like five (laughs) at a time i'm like oh kenshin's pissed baby yeah it's no talking no words just striking i'm just over here laughing because you see yaha go like acting serious and acting tough and stuff he's just got a wooden sword (laughs) <laughs> they, they know I, damn well they need to give that boy a goddamn sword <laughs> if you don't like, let him come let him come with some weaponry damn <laughs> at least give him like a, a blunt sword or some shit bro like come on now the wooden sword's gonna break some hey, fucking man. nunchuck just give him something I'm watching Gintama right now and let me tell you Gin can do a lot with the wooden sword so you but he's not bleed. he's not six though, bro. You just I mean Yahiko's <laughs> like ten. 
And he's dicing those guys up just the same with the with the with the with the wooden sword. It's fine. It's all he good. He was trying. He was trying, man. He definitely but, was trying. Before that, we did we did skip a part that I want to go back to. So when Megumi basically meets with Takata the first time, she comes in with her own little plan. And she tries to assassinate him. And I forgot that. And that really threw me a loop. I was like, holy shit. This woman's a badass. Good for her. And she almost succeeded. I mean, she cut him. And if it wasn't for the leader of the Oniwaban group, Ayoshi showing up, like... Yeah, she would have got him. For real. She would have got him. And then she would have died. It would have been the end of it. Yeah, I love that how she turned um, Takada's words back on him and said, you know, you and I have the same fate. And we will today. I'm, and she's like, I will meet you in hell. I was like, okay. I like, that was some good action right there. Dude, that shit went so hard. Like, I was smiling when she was saying that. I was like, this lady, she, she might be a terrible person for making heroin, but going to give it to her. Willingly. She, she got spunk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm with I'm with Kent, you know. I like she she ain't she didn't mean to do it, you know. She was kind of forced to do it. You heard you heard what the man said. He said he was gonna torture and everything just to get the uh just to get the recipe out of her. That way he can do it himself or have somebody do it. And that was, that's kinda wild, you know. But yeah. Um, and then, yeah, now we're back to the part where Kench and Sano pull up and it's just making an absolute mess out of this hired army. Um, probably the favorite part of this fight was Sano throwing Yahiko into that group of, of people <laughs> with his <laughs> like he's a fucking sword. grenade. Yeah. <laughs> and with a human cannonball, dude. <laughs> oh, man. And I just love how after that, so Sato, like Bass said, throws Yahiko at the leader of the gun-wielding part of the the army. And Yahiko, after he hits him in the head, just stands up and goes, Ah, I, I didn't think my pickpocketing skills were going to come into use here today. And Yahiko upgrades from his wooden sword. He's got himself a blicky. He's good to go. But Yahiko's got stronger ideals than that. He said, what does a swordsman need with a gun? <laughs> Fucking love it, dude. Yeah. And you forgot the best part, though, Dan. He, he just says, bang. And <laughs> the leader of the gun crew is such a coward that he, like, passes out because he thinks he's going to die. <laughs> Soft like baby shit. <laughs> and then I'm pretty sure Yahiko throws a fit. He was like, you, you can't just throw me into... Throw me into the the fight, bro. I, I laughed hard. Yeah, no, that was it. Was a great moment. I did love his and <laughs> him and Sana going back and forth, like try and keep up. <laughs> Don't be slow. Get up here, buddy. The whole time was making me crack up as they're just plowing through five hundred people. <laughs> you mean Kenshin? <laughs> uh, Sana was doing some some heavy lifting there too, man. He was punching about six people in the air with one fist at a time. So he's got it going on too. I think he was taking up for uh, Yahiko, so <laughs> with his wooden sword, making Yahiko feel like he was doing something, you know? Yeah, yeah. He, you know, you had to get some hits in. I mean, at least make him feel like that. Yeah, but through this whole whole ordeal, you know, Takeda's just sitting there like. Why is this man fighting for this woman? She means nothing to him. And Aoshi has to explain how imperialists think and that, you know, they're here for their ideals. They're not here for, you know, obviously they want to save her, 
but this is just how imperialists are and you've got nothing on this Takeda then basically is out the window yelling at Kenshin I'll pay you what I pay 50 guys to be my bodyguard no wait 100 guys 200 and I was just in there laughing like that shit ain't gonna work man it's it's the Potosai yeah and it actually had the opposite effect on Kenshin it just pissed him off because it's like you think I can be bought and uh, he, he kind of tells Buddy, you know, come on down. This is your reckoning. And, and bring Megami with you because I'm about to beat your ass in front of her. Which would have <laughs> been a great scene. Would have loved that. And then Takaido was basically like, give me an hour. I'll bring her down. We'll be fine. You know, it'll, it'll all be good. You know, you don't have to come up here. And Kenshin just goes and slices through like a foot and a half by foot and a half light post pillar and sends this thing flying at this mansion. And just looks at Takeda and is like, I'll be up there within the hour. Be ready. I'm coming. <laughs> you think he shit himself, bro? <laughs> I would have shit myself. My pants would be wet. Yeah, I would have I had to do my evening wardrobe change. <laughs> the sweatpants are coming out. Yeah. <laughs> Get rid of this kimono, bro. <laughs> Maybe a diaper while you're at it. Just you know, so you don't just have to in do it again. case. Just yeah. in case. <laughs> but after that, Aoshi's prepared defensive. He's got his right and left hand men ready to fight. They're in the way. Um, he takes Megumi up to the observatory. Classic story: princess locked up in a tower somewhere. You know, we're 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 getting to the roots of uh fairy tales here. <laughs> yes, for for sure. And I love how Aoshi. Uh, Kind of like bitches Takada, and you know, because he was trying to give his man orders the Obi Waban group. And he's like, "No, this, this is my crew. Don't forget your place. Why don't you go count some money or some shit, and I'll go pe- prepare the, the defenses." <laughs> I really love that moment. I mean, because seems like Ayoshi's really the one in charge here. Oh, definitely. And I also liked how Ayoshi was basically sitting there, like, "No, this is this is kind of what we wanted out of the Edo Castle." ninja group here you know we want to take down the imperialists so uh it's a good day for us yes it's gonna yeah. be fun and talking it's just like what the fuck is wrong with you dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i actually like she actually stops takata from uh torching megami within that hour because that was the plan and uh he that's who actually puts her up in that uh that third floor tower you know kind of safe and sound and he also does something very unexpected and gives uh, Megami her dagger back and says, um, you know, Takada's going to torture you after Kenshin loses and you can either die peacefully by your own blade or you can die after torture. So here you go. Good choice. Yeah, for real. Good guy. Honestly, good guy. Kind of, kind of. Good enough. (laughs) He's not as bad as, uh, oh boy. So yeah, he's not only out for blood. Uh, for the sake of killing, he just wants to, um, you know, have a good fight. And he knows his group. That's really what they do this mercenary thing for. They like the fight. And now yes. he says he has he has uh, one of the most formidable foes there are. So he's happy. Yep. And now now it looks like we're setting up for a pretty good, um, like, obstacle arc. I guess you can say it's kind of kind of like a tournament arc, kind of. So. But yes, hands, sir. hands will be thrown and hands will be caught. <laughs> <laughs> looks like Kenshin. I don't know if Sano is going to help or not, uh, but it looks like possibly Kenshin is going to have to fight at least 
three people before he gets to uh, Ayoshi, I think. Is yeah. Right? Yeah, I can't remember how it goes. I'm assuming that Kenshin will take one, Sano will take the other. It just makes sense that Yahoo, way. You know? Yahoo, Yahoo takes gonna, the third. He's <laughs> just going to pretend to fight. <laughs> going to get somebody him. in the balls. Yeah, true, true. Too much honor. And, and then I want to give you your flowers about the uh, hands will be thrown and hands will be called. That was very eloquent. I'm a, I'm a wordsmith. Poet <laughs> of our generation. <laughs> there we go. On our own podcast. We're so lucky. <laughs> I'm adding that to my... Uh, my uh, my resume for podcasting, Wordsmith. <laughs> hey, I'll endorse that. Put me as a uh, a reference. It's but three, I, it's three lines: podcast host likes Mecca's Wordsmith. Hire me. I can confirm all of that. But uh, <laughs> you boys want to get to Jujutsu Jiu- Kaisen? Yes, let's, let's go. It. So, boys, we got JJK uh, episode seven, Evening Festival. So this episode starts pretty quickly. With the fight between Mahito and Mekamaru. Uh, Mech's got a lot on his plate as he has to defeat both Mahito and Ghetto. You know, good luck for, with that shit. But then uh, we get the beginnings of what seems like the Shibuya incident arc. Very exciting stuff. So as the battle starts between uh, Mekamaru and Mahito, Mekamaru's kind of learning that not all of his curse uh, bombs and beams are actually hurting Ma- Mahito's soul. And now Mahito is actually trying to draw Mekamaru out of his mech because he knows he really ain't got hands like that. So I thought this fight was actually pretty beautifully made. Um, I don't think this was like one of the big episodes for the animation crew, but they still did a great job. Um, but it, we also learned that Mahito is strong enough to break through that large mech's armor. I was very surprised by this, but he can pretty much brute force destroy this thing. I mean, dude, he came in with the gum gum giant pistol. I did notice that. He blew his <laughs> hand up. It was huge. <laughs> a lot of references in this in this episode is what I'm going to say. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't really like catch any of the references. I was just too busy like watching the fighting because it was it was a pretty good, uh, pretty good, like what? At least 10 minutes of fighting in the beginning. So. Yeah, I mean, we started off right where we left off the last episode, and it, yeah, it was on go from the you know from the title screen there. Um, and I thought it was funny that Mechamaro had to actually load some techniques manually into his mech. You know, why would you just not put those just like preloaded? Why waste your time in the middle of a fight? I liked how they did it. It was fucking really? cool. Yeah, okay. I thought it was cool. Oh, just shoving awesome. that thing into the side of the dome he's in and having yeah. it. Okay, that's it. Was sweet. Okay. 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 I'll listen to the mech expert. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the whole time this shit was going, I was like, man, Dan is like just probably mm. smiling ear to ear right now. <laughs> I was just in my bag. Like, I know, like last episode, I was like, <laughs> oh, we get a Gundam. But no, this wasn't a Gundam. This was Eva from Evangelion. And they even had a bunch of Gurren Lagon references in there. And those are like two of my favorite mech anime. So I was hyped this whole time. Yeah, we had a couple little drills in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I peeped that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the starting scene where Mechamaru's mech was basically screaming. The Titan mm-hmm. scream, by the way, it sounded just like Aaron. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they just ripped that out of Attack on Titan. 
Fuck it. Give me the sound clip. <laughs> <laughs> and that scene is like a direct homage to a scene where the Eva goes berserk and even Galeon. And it was just awesome. Like, I know in the JJK world, they always reference like other anime and like real life things. Mm-hmm. Our boy Mechamaru was just watching Evangelion and Gurren Lagann as a kid, and I respect the fuck out of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, home, Homeboy had to spend a lot of time in that tank he had, so he had to be watching something. He had Crunchyroll going, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as this fight was like picking up, Ghetto was uh, getting very, very excited and really like laughing and smiling ear to ear. And um, he was saying, you know, this fight is affecting him and, you know, Ghetto was singing, you know, uh, whoever he was talking about was becoming a, a special great. And he says, you know, I'm not sure what he was trying to attain from this person, but was he actually talking about Mahito being a special grade? I, was, I thought he was talking about Mechamaru at that okay. level being special grade. Okay, understood, understood. I mean, those cursed energy blasts he was throwing out there with like the mega, the super cannon and all that, that was... In the world of JJK, that is a fuck ton of firepower. Yes, yes. It was each one of those was like a year of a stored uh, cursed energy. So I mean, those were no joke by any means. And Ghetto's just smiling, laughing. He knows he's strong. He got, he's got nothing to worry about. I think um, Ghetto Ghetto was worried about uh, Mahito though. Um, he was like, "Do you want me to step in?" Or I'm pretty sure he asked that several times when uh, when Mechamaru started like giving him the barrage of attacks. And he was like, no, nah, I got it, bro. Just chill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that scene was insane where Mahito was like evading the special blast attack with the four rainbow missiles. Mm-hmm. And he he switched for like 70 different animals in like a minute running through this forest. It was that shit was clean, boy. So clean. It was incredible. Like I was like, oh, they're in their bag right now, dude. Yes, I know the person that got to animate that specifically was so hyped while he was doing that, or she. But yeah, I thought that was really, really nice, and I, I definitely did notice that. I played that back but maybe three times. I really enjoyed it. So, great use of the uh, transfiguration by Maito for our benefit. Um, and during this kind of whole barrage, it kind of mechs cable, those big cables coming out of his back into the head um, got cut. He, my man ended up as a dreadhead. Um <laughs> <laughs> um and it seems kind of like Mechamaru is getting worked a little bit here and then you know is it is it actually wise to bring a mech to a cursed energy fight um didn't didn't look like it was in the end but uh, right after this um this this barrage right here uh, Mahito does his domain expansion self embodiment of perfection and this is when Mechamaru sends out uh, one of the special attacks that he had loaded earlier which was simply a uh, simple domain was this the first time we had heard about that in this show because i do not remember this prior to this episode probably because i think they they had to explain it and when they usually explain stuff like that it's usually the first time it's brought up so um it makes me believe that it was the first time because mm-hmm. i don't ever recall anybody having domains like deployable domains, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. So, okay, okay. Um, yeah, it was new shadow style, simple domain, and it actually had been uh, made in the Heian era, which is when uh, the jujitsu sorcery was at its height. 
Uh, and it was actually specifically meant to protect people from other people's uh, domains. Um, inside of this domain, Mahito um, does an idle transfiguration and kind of shuts down the mech, but Mechamaro is still able to come back from it. And uh, Ghetto seemed very, very impressed with Mechamaro and uh, very happy to see uh, Mech's simple domain go off. Because it seemed like even they were very unsure about how they worked to this point. So they got some intel out of it. Yeah, definitely. I think that Mechamaru actually got that from Miwa, the girl that he's got a crush on. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure when she does that crazy ass sword attack in the first season, she's using simple domains. Okay. Okay. Is she the one that uh, can summon like the curse tools or whatever? Yeah. Okay. And she's the one that they had the whole flashback to her in this episode when she was just sitting next to the lifeless Mecha, mini Mechamaru. Yeah. Kind of confessing her love a little bit. So that was a nice <laughs> little side story for about three minutes. Um, but, you know, Mahito is kind of bragging on himself during this fight. He's like, you know, you didn't think I was going to use a domain inspection or, you know, go all out. Uh, being that we're only 10 days away from Halloween. And I don't know if the plan the plan was explained to the uh, Jujutsu High people, but you know he's like, I will recover by then. I'll, I'll be fine fighting you. So, but with the new Shadow Style Simple Domain, Mech thinks that he has won the fight uh, because that it's able to latch on him and destroy him. And we actually see Mahito kind of explode and quote unquote die. And Mech goes on and say, you know, this was a happy miscalculation. I got another simple domain and about nine years of cursed energy left. And all I have to do is beat ghetto, which I don't know why the fuck he would say that like that because it's fuck it's ghetto. You know what I'm saying? This is, this is the guy you can't really fuck with him like that. I don't know what Mech was thinking. Yeah. I mean, he said that his, um, his winning gambit was just to stall long enough for Gojo to show up. So maybe he's thinking, he's like, oh, I got nine years left and a simple domain left. Maybe I can actually wait till Gojo gets here. Well, it wasn't a stall. Um, he, was, he, had, he knew he had to physically get in contact with Gojo. Yeah. So he wanted Ghetto to bring, you know, to release the veil. So he was, he was actually thinking he was going to beat him. That's crazy. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, come, yeah, like, come on, bro. Like, you have to know who this is, right? Yeah, because the um, whole time, the whole time he was like talking about how he couldn't get any uh, uh, signals or cell phones or texts or anything like that. They was explaining how all that worked, um, and because he was like, "I'm on my own" or whatever. So right, but yeah, he 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 really thought he was about to box ghetto. Yeah, <laughs> what a sad man. But in the end, Mahito actually tricked Mekamaru into believing he had won, and he exploded himself. As he got hit with that uh, simple domain and a, a controlled explosion. And he pretty much came and pieced old buddy up real quick. Like, yeah, he was looking pretty gnarly after he put himself back together. He was like a disformed, like, worm monster, dude. That thing was gnarly looking. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty gross. Did you, K, got a thing for worms, is all I know. They do <laughs> have a thing for worms, man. Holy shit. <laughs> Yeah, one thing I loved is when uh, Mahito was a, basically got inside of the, the giant mech and was going after human Mechamaru. He summoned a little Mechamaru. The OG's back. And that scene, 
I was watching. I went back and watched like three times because I'm like, holy shit, did he have drills on his hand? Did and he? there's a scene where he's going back for a punch and he has like eight little drills on his hand. And I was like, my man really did love Gurren Lagan. This might Gurren be my Lagan. favorite J- JJK character right now, dude. <laughs> <laughs> his drill will be the drill to pierce the heavens. <laughs> God bless. I'm assuming that's a reference. <laughs> yeah, we got to get you to watch Gurren Lagan, dude. <laughs> Uh, if we if we throw it on a shutout, throw it out, you, you can guarantee I can watch three episodes of it. Well, <laughs> at least. Bass has already seen it. I made it's Bass pretty watch fucking good. Night. Yeah, no, we got drunk as shit and just watched Girl and Lock Up. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good day. It's a good day. Um, well, maybe uh, maybe you'll get lucky and I'll I'll feel like watching it one day on my own. So that would be if you wanted to watch a mech anime, that would be the one for you to watch. I think. I thought y'all said uh, uh, Witch of Mercury. Okay, yeah, but that's, that's, that's mid as fuck. I, I think you, you'd like you'd like Kamina a lot as a character. That's what I'm gonna say. Yeah, I is think that on Gurren Logan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, we'll, we'll check it out maybe one day for the podcast. You know, maybe maybe we can make a bed or something in the future. Do it for no. the people, man. Do it for the people. I don't but think. In, I was gonna say anyway. everybody in our Discord who's talked about it's loved it. So, just saying. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. But anyway, you know, after the fight, Mahito and Ghetto were like talking. And Ghetto's like, you know, that was a little dangerous, man. Huh? I wasn't sure you were going to survive that. And Mahito is pretty much like, I had the entire situation under control. Uh, I tricked that kid into believing I was dead. And then I came back and caught him off guard once he went after you. Easy peasy, easy peasy. Um, but Ghetto goes to say, you know, it was good that they saw that simple domain, and um, he actually got to finish adjusting, uh, adjusting the entrusted veil. And now there won't be any problems with entrusting the veil, uh, the, the curated energy, and chant to others. So what exactly do you guys believe Ghetto was talking about? Or are we about to get right into it? I think we're about to get right into it. <laughs> All right. And Ghetto also picked up a small pen from the ground. What do you guys think that was was that like the the veil active activator or it was like a small pen covered in uh like a brown paper he was holding in his hand and we got a we got a, we had like a still shot of it too in the episode no i don't i don't recall this is uh what that actually is okay or i don't recall uh seeing it i guess yeah. um yeah, it, it seemed like it was pretty important because, I mean, Ghetto was just like walking along, looked down, picked it up, and he kind of like just held it up in front of his face. And we got his POV of just looking at it for a couple of seconds. So it seemed pretty important. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure exactly what it was, but it might have been thing that activates that entrusted veil. Yeah, it's definitely I mean, anytime you ever see something wrapped in paper in JJK, it's always some really powerful cursed object. I feel right, like that they're trying to like, yeah, Ooh, okay. conceal the power in it. Yeah. It's sure. like the fingers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same, same. Cool. Now we get to October 31st, 2018. Uh, we get a little uh, description that a 400 di- meter diameter veil is placed over the Toyu department store's Toyoko outlet. And we see a bunch of drunk people kind of just trying to celebrate Halloween. And uh, some of them can kind of see the veil and they're looking up at, you know, what is that? While other people are like, you know, what the fuck are y'all talking about? But it's just some regular ass people, non-sorcerers. And uh, that many collected in one spot 
and a veil coming down. I think you guys know what's up. Ghetto's about to kill him some monkeys. <laughs> the vacuum cleaner is <laughs> about to get turned on. <laughs> <laughs> Into the abyss you go. Um, and, and that's exactly what we see with, once the veil comes down. And uh, we see, you know, a couple of dozen people getting kind of swept into this void type deal. And we see Jujutsu High and a bunch of sorcerers coming out, standing, standing around of it. Some of them have been in it for intel. And they're saying, really, only normal people can't get out. They can come and go as they please. So, but Jujutsu High has kind of come up with a plan. It's like, look, we need to reduce casualties on our end. So we're going to send in one man. And we all know who that man is. He's the man. The goat. Our well, blue-eyed boy. Well, they're not only, uh, they're not only uh, you know, sending him in just because he's the man. It's because he's wanted in there. So Yes, yes. So somehow, um, whoever has put down this veil has pretty much told people to say, bring Satoru Gojo. He needs to come. So this definitely seems like a trap. And I, if I, I think anybody with half a brain would say, look here and say, look, they have hostages and these hostages just happen to know who Gojo is unlikely. So (laughs) somebody's trying to lure Gojo here. We understand he's the strongest, but would you still send him in knowing that this is most definitely a trap for him? Who's going to stop Gojo? He's going to go, he's going to go in there, you know? even if even if you know that Gojo's gonna go in, regardless, I don't think I send him in, send him in alone. Not only is yeah, he the but, strongest, he's my biggest asset. But the thing is, if you if you don't send him in alone, then uh, the other people that you send in with him is just gonna get in his way and cause him to uh, possibly have more chances of getting hurt or killed. You know. Well, I I say um, you, you make a plan. Tell Gojo what to do instead of playing into the enemy's hands willingly. Yeah, at the same time, though, you got to think that even though they're playing into the enemy's plan, mm-hmm. it's still Gojo. Yeah. So, like, good luck. He's still the man, you know? He, you that's what he's we'll going to receive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I just, yeah. I, I don't like to give my enemy what they want because they want it for a reason. And anybody brave enough to call out Gojo by fucking name? Give me a break. They got some kind of plan going on. So something's cooking, and I don't know what it is. Well, see, the the the, the crazy thing is that um that I caught on to. Um, I don't know if y'all did or not, but you know the whole reason why they allow like us uh, um cursed uh, users or uh, sorcerers to come and go as they please, but not allow um, regular humans slash monkeys to leave, you know? Um, It's because (laughs) it's because if they was if they was, if they blocked off the sorcerers, they would be able to break that uh, veil. But since they let them come and go as they please, they're going to have more trouble breaking that veil because you know, it's not focused at them. You know what I mean? Well, I, I believe this is like this this curated veil that, that Ghetto made. Because I think during the episode, they actually said that the veil couldn't be broken. By, by sorcerers. Yes, uh, by sorcerers. Easily. 
you know, I'm pretty sure somebody, I'm pretty sure they can break it. It just takes a lot more time because, you know, it's not fighting against them is what they said, kind of. Yeah, I think it'll just let cursed energy flow through it. So, like, how the hell are you going to blow that up unless you got one punch man in the background somewhere? Right, right, right. But did they did they show the audience who was in there, or or are we just assuming who's in there? It's got to be ghetto. They were talking about Halloween. I mean, it's it's got to be ghetto and Mahito, but I'm just wondering if they actually did show like show that, or if like we're just assuming that. I mean, it's it's got to be though, because he's the only one that's gonna ask for Gojo, you know. Yeah, uh, it, it's definitely ghetto or some of some ghetto mi- minions. But if I was ghetto, I would do this myself. We know he knows Gojo is the strongest and he in to order to get any of his larger plan done. He's got to find a way to be a way to defeat Gojo. And he was, you know, Mahito was talking about Halloween and here it is 10 days later and it's Halloween and, you know, some shit's going down. All signs point to ghetto. Yeah, but thankfully... For us as viewers, they sent Gojo in without coming up with some plan because we're about to get some gas. Oh yeah, no, like, I'm not exactly <laughs> mad. It's not just not what what I would have done, but I'm happy about it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the last thing we've seen is Ghetto. I mean, Gojo just walks in, accidentally bumps into someone, and it's like, okay, it's time or whatever. Yeah, he's <laughs> about time. to get active. I just love that the hostages were like, I don't know who the fuck this Gojo guy is, but he better show up soon. I want to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, well, I you ain't leaving. Thought it was really weird that some of the people didn't remember other civilians getting like, killed by that vacuum, even though some of them were right next to it. Oh, no, they did. They basically were like, yeah, we just go to the station and take a train out. But uh, well, some of them didn't remember it. And that guy okay. was saying, are you guys crazy? That just happened. I don't I don't I think it's I think it's too big I don't think some people actually know what happened you know I mean they're all pretty turned too so maybe they're just at that level whatever it is it's about to be lit next episode we we about to find out uh somebody somebody's uh got the little chart out you know they fixing to find out so yes you think they could is is sealing a thing in this anime because I feel like that's the only way you can beat Gojo I pray to God they don't pull some Naruto ass bullshit and just seal the bad guy up. Well, I mean, still Gojo. <sighs> this is a Gojo are. trap. Uh, they have to have some way to like defeat them if you're gonna lure them somewhere. I'm uh not gonna talk here. I've been okay. spoiled a few too many times. Oh shit. Okay. okay. <laughs> I mean, I haven't really been spoiled, but I think I know what's about to happen somewhat. Yeah. Got it. Just based yep. off of context clues of spoilers that I've almost seen and just hints um, of people beating around the bush. Gojo. So, so this, is, this is why I've, I've shut down my Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it right now. Gojo's about to get locked up in the belly of a baby boy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sweet baby boy. But you guys ready for some One Piece? Yeah. yeah. All right, let's uh, get on the road to One Piece 1075. 20 years worth of prayer. Take back the land of Wano. So as Luffy and Kaido comes to a climax, the onlookers of the battle are remembering their 20 years of struggle. We get to re- a retelling of the story of Orochi, Momo, and Kaido's takeover. 
of the land of Wano. And this episode starts right where we left off the last one with Luffy throwing the biggest, straightest right you've ever seen. And it's humongous. <laughs> Mike Tyson would be proud. That is an <laughs> understatement. Like, <laughs> I, I think me and Bass talked about it, how big this fist actually is last episode. This fist would, like, be the size of, like, a European country. It's just huge. It's wombo-sized. Yes. <laughs> Pretty sure it's bigger than Onigashima, so, um, yeah. Maybe that's why he's telling telling uh, Momo to get the get get Onigashimas out of the way and he's got a lot of faith in uh old Momo for that shit right there so yeah for real and I, I love how <laughs> Luffy is like you know what I know I'm gonna get Kaido but I might get the rest of you motherfuckers too <laughs> hey, man, I don't think he samurai, cares at this point <laughs> the samurai are ready yeah they said yeah. it last episode they don't care as long as Kato falls, they're okay, man. <laughs> but yeah, in response to Luffy's big-ass fist, Kaido, he, he turns the heat up a little bit. And by a little bit, I mean molten hot lava dragon. <laughs> okay, okay. So Kaido covers himself in flames using this technique called a flame dragon torch. And Luffy's still holding on to him at this point. And literally just burns his hand instantaneously. Luffy's got to let him go. And Kaido comes back with like one of like the fucking dopest lines you'll ever hear is like, you don't have to hold on to me, bro. I'm not going anywhere. Let's finish <laughs> I'm, this. I'm, like, I'm not Gosh. running away, bro. <laughs> Kaido's so damn hard, dude. Yeah, no, he, he, he tells him that you're going to melt away before you can even hit me. And yeah, we see that scene too where he bumps into one of the horns of onigashima which is the size Massive. of a skyscraper yes <laughs> and just melts it away in half and it falls to the ground i mean he didn't even attack it he just his body but i think his tail bumped into it yeah and the crazy thing is like that thing's falling and it just shows how big it is compared to momo who is a full-grown dragon at this point like it was huge Mm-hmm. i mean i don't think we really understand the scale of onigashimas and you know, Luffy and Kato at this point because it definitely looks bigger than um uh what I even thought it was, you know, what it was gonna be. So Yeah, I mean what does Kato have? What do he have? Started with ten thousand men, if you can fit that all in one building versus uh Big Mom's crew and Big Mom and Kaido themselves. Place is pretty fucking huge, man. And they fit yeah. them all on one floor. Ten thousand plus on one floor in one area. Oh, this thing's massive. I mean, like, the Sunny looks tiny compared to it, and the Sunny is literally the size of the Colossal Titan. So, like, just put it into perspective, you know? But, yeah, Luffy, Luffy kind of responds to Kaido saying that, um, you know, he's going to melt him away um, if Luffy touches him. And he's like, no, I don't have to touch you, bro. I learned everything from the old man. And uh, he's talking about... uh. Uh, was it was his name? Hio Hiogoro, I believe. Hiogoro. 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 There we go. Uh, have a hard time with my R's. Like, <laughs> that's a tough one, dude. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's just like, no, man, I don't have to touch you. I could. I, I've learned how to use Rio and to be able to punch without actually touching. So I won't melt, bro. 
And I was like, hell yeah, bro. You actually, you're actually putting it to good use now. So you're actually thinking. Yes. And uh, Luffy's calling this big ass fist, the, the gum gum Bajrang, um, which is, actually comes from Japanese mythology. This is our fun fact for the day. Uh, and Bajrang actually means uh, the one whose limbs are made af- out of lightning and thunder. So it's fitting, too. Huh. Mm-hmm. That's not the, the callback I knew of. Uh, Bajrang is the Hindu monkey god. It is also a Hindu monkey god. Those are both and things. Luffy's always... So if you think about all Luffy's Gear 4 attacks, they're named after all the animals that he trained against on that island with oh. Rayleigh. So now he's just... He's got god-tier animal attacks now. Because I mean, what's yes. it? His normal uh, fist is Kong Fist, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, so, so this is King Kong Fist. Kong, God, God. God. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Bajrang <laughs> does yeah, show up in uh, Japanese and Hindu mythology. Good catch there, Dan. I like that. I like that. That's wild. It actually means thunder, thunder and lightning as well, or whatever, Um, because he, he be doing that shit too, so. Yeah, he just got done playing around with thunder and lightning. <laughs> so a little, little double playing. entendre by uh, Oda here. Shocker. Not, not at all. <laughs> Otis the goat for a reason. Oh, I thought I thought that was a lightning play. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, I was just saying, I'm not the meetings. It's Oda. Oh, okay, I thought you were just going crazy with the puns. That's all. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Kaido's response to this attack is the, the flame bug, um, which was also pretty dope. And this was an awesome looking clash. And um, I, I thought it was one thing going on during this class that I didn't notice that you don't usually see. Luffy had his eyes closed for the first part of this clash. I don't know if the lights got too bright for him, but uh, usually he's, he's, his eyes are wide open and he's, he's usually smiling during the, these final clashes. So there's something a little different. I think he's, you know, having to muster up his uh, imagination and uh, tune force uh, to, uh, you know, match Kato's energy. So... I like that. I like that you know, a lot. I, you know, I have to close my eyes when I start thinking about my imagination too. So that's probably what he's doing, right? God, <laughs> Dan's just shaking his head. <laughs> imagination. Yeah. After this attack, you know, One Piece pulling a One Piece right here. We get a 15 minute filler esque flashback. and while this is going on we see all the samurai basically praying that this will end after 20 years and we also see all the people putting the sky boats into the air with like please defeat kaido get us out of this hell kill orochi everything else because they've just been going through it and i don't know if we have to get into a lot of detail on what was in the flashback but it was stunning. The animation was so good. And like, I'm ju- I was just sitting there watching it. Like, this just makes me feel for the people of Wano country. So fucking much more, man. Like, just seeing it put all together again like that. I mean, they brought back the smile fruit. And these people who are starving have to eat this fruit. And they're watching their friends and family die. And they're just sitting there laughing because they can't do any other emotions after eating it. Like, Fuck Kaido. Fuck Orochi. Yeah, then you even have Orochi, you know, uh, laughing about it. Like, you know, look at him. 
their 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 parents are gonna die and they ain't gonna be able to cry. They're just gonna have to laugh at it. And he was like, I love that and just laughing and having a good old time thinking about it. I'm like, this piece of shit, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's so sad because you know he he's really just mad at the Kazuki clan for um, coming at his own clan and putting them down as, as thieves and thugs. But then he turns around that anger to the entirety of Wano, which is very, very unfair. Some misplaced anger. Um, I, I do want to point out a little more detail from this flashback where the Daimyo were fighting to like take Wano back. And they're they're doing a pretty good job. But then Kaido's like, you know what? Fuck this. And comes out the castle. And, and like he's so big, they're like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and it's just like one uh, flame breath. And it, it's just like, okay, this is over. So I thought that was pretty cool to see just how overpowering Kaido was once he actually started fighting back. Yeah, and uh, I'd seen on Twitter like a lot um, uh, with this episode coming up and a lot of like the One Piece accounts and, you know, the uh, people that was making it said that this was going to be a very emotional episode and that it was probably going to be one of the most emotional episodes of One Piece. Did y'all think it lived up to that hype as far as... I mean, I say hot, but you think it lived up to those words? Yeah, I def- um, yeah, I, I definitely do. Uh, it just kind of went back to like how detriment, you know, how big of a detriment uh, Kaido's people have been along with Orochi. Uh, seeing the pollution by the weapon manufacturing facilities, um, all men of working age being made into slaves to make weapons, everybody else starving, not being able to drink from the rivers, crops won't grow. And then Orochi just being a sick fuck with those smile fruits, man. It hurts. It, it brings everything back. Because, I mean, we've been watching this arc for years. And it's it's easy to, like, not have that on your mind in the end here. And I'm glad they brought it back all at oh. once just to give us a quick recap. Oh, definitely. And, I mean, it put this whole fight and this whole war we've been watching, like you said, for... The war's been going on for over a year now. And, I mean, like, it just put it all into context so well. And one thing I really liked is One Piece, usually like the sad stories revolve around one person. Except, except in Dressrosa, very similar vibe. But I think the way they recapped this was just so captivating and it really hit home with how fucked this has been for 20 years. And I'm so glad we got to see a certain somebody get their head lobbed off for like the sixth time. <laughs> fuck Orochi all my homies hate Orochi but I was really I was really afraid for Hiyori um, in this scene I didn't know if they were just gonna off her I didn't think they would That's not, that kind of story usually um, but when he, that uh, sea prism stone nail kind of falls off and he, he gets his one headed dragon I think he's too injured to bring up any other heads at this point so he should be done so. uh, and he's talking about how Hiori is acting like the victim when he's really the victim. I was like, dude, like she's been in a uh, Lady of the Night house. I'm not, I forget what they call those. She's but um for a twenty years. Hall. A ple- a pleasure hall. Yes. I was just gonna say brothel, but you know, it is Clap what it here. is. Yes. <laughs> um and then he goes to attack her one final time and you know, he's kind of saying, Odin, I'm gonna take your daughter with me to hell with me. And uh, Yori's kind of being calm, but then Denjiro comes in. It's just like, see you later, bud. Chops that head off. So it was really good to finally see his head roll for real. The man's in flames. His head's been lopped off. I think this is finally the end for this fucking snake. 
Didn't uh didn't Hiori also stick him with the C Prism nail again? She had it in her hand. I I didn't catch her. She actually like stuck him with it again. I think that's what she was gonna do before Denger showed up. Okay. And one thing I really liked is when they had the flashback of Denjiro being like Foxfire Kinemon in the scabbards. I can't wait to see them again to fight them. And he just had this big shit eating grin on his face right under his, his fresh as fuck pompadour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, he couldn't wait to see him again, but it wasn't because he was going to fight him. It was just because he knew the time was going to be there to reclaim what was theirs, or at least try to, so. But, yeah, um, one thing I really enjoy about, like, these uh, kind of uh, episodes is because you know, when we start getting these, like, flashbacks and, like, uh, which I don't think it's, like, straight, like, recaps. I think it, they're retelling it in a different way, but retelling the same thing that we already knew in a different way. And that means, you know, usually when One Piece does this is that the battle is fixing to be over. And I'm pretty sure that we're going to get to see results probably next episode. And, um... I'm pretty excited for that. One way or the other, we will know who wins. So. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm excited for it. Finally. I know. And I, <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, I cried during this episode. Uh, a few tears, so. <laughs> Watch hey, all, all this sad shit, crying. bro. Our, bro. Resident, our resident emotional man. Bro, this, this shit was sad. Especially once, uh, once they were so happy to eat the smile fruits and then Orochi was just laughing about it. I just, and the people was like, you know, working themselves to death and they was like, you know, I'd rather die. And they was actually killing themselves by drinking like the water, the polluted water and stuff like that. Like it was just, just a sad time to watch, you know? So. Yes. And like how they were eating like the smile fruits with like gratitude on their faces. Cause they hadn't eaten anything in days. Um, and they were about to die and they were like, oh my God, finally they gave us something and it just turned their whole lives upside down. It was, that shit is one of, one of the things that hurts me the most about this, this whole story, starving people and giving them something to eat that's pretty much ruining their lives. Yeah. Heartbreaking. Uh, do we have anything? Do I guess we have what Momo? Momo, a little bit of Momo uh, at the end, right? Yeah, Momo grew up a little bit, found his resolve, hopefully (laughs) actually this time. (laughs) You know, he's been saying for like the last three or four episodes, I'm going to stop saying I cannot, but then proceeds to say I cannot right after that. Um, But yeah, he, he, it seems like he's kind of breaking through it. He like slammed his body into Onigoshima. He's really trying hard now, but I've said that before. He better do something, bro. Shit. Yeah, he said he didn't want to bring shame to the Kozuki name. Um, we'll see if that happens or not. Yeah, I love that we got like a little, uh, I guess, uh, uh, floating memory of his mom and all of them like saying that they believed in him. And then he actually took action and started believing that he could. It was a really uh, touching moment, except for the part about seeing Momo being a bitch. So, it's part for the course. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like I've become numb to anything that Mo 
that Mamu goes through at this point. <laughs> I feel like Odin somewhere in the sky just shaking his fucking head. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm I'm pretty interested. I'm pretty excited to see the next episode because you know it's where everything uh, gets summed up. I feel like so. Hopefully. Yes, sir. Definitely, we're gonna see a big old fist hit a fire dragon. Let's go! Bang, bang, bang! <laughs> but awesome. Well, guys, we appreciate you listening to this week's weekly rundown. I think next week might even be a bit more of a banger. We got a lot of fights coming up, and I'm really excited for that. Uh, make sure to join the Discord. Linktree.com/slash/AnimeDGens has our Discord, our socials, everything you can find the DGens. And we'll be back on Thursday with this week's Bullshit Hour. Thanks, guys.